Hello. Thank you for listening to and watching you on Options. Uh, this episode, I have Luke Bentham. I think I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, from the very good Canadian rock and roll group, uh, The Dirty Nell. Great conversation. Uh, we talk about history. Talk about uh, guitar stuff. I'm, you know, I say in the episode, I'm not a big, you know, guitar gear guy. I'm trying to get better at it. But yeah, one thing that helped me get better at guitar, the Threshold Maximizer, uh, Luke's custom um, pedal made my Bowman audio endeavors, James Bowman from the very, very good band against me. Um, yeah, you can, you can buy this. Luke said some will be out soon again. Follow uh, Bowman underscore audio underscore endeavors on Instagram. I'm sure they'll they'll say when the drop is. Yeah, follow the Dirty Nil at the Dirty Nil. Go listen to Fuck Art. Their most recent album came out last year. It's great. Uh, Caesar, say hello to Caesar. He's the best boy. He's the best boy for not ruining this episode, which he tried to. Uh, yeah. Make sure you go follow you at Options at you at Options um, on everything. You can go buy the UAD Option shirt at uh, thehandsofscoundrels.com slash shop. I should probably get a UAD Options website soon. I don't know. I'll figure it out. But uh, yeah, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Thanks for sharing. Thanks for being a friend. Thanks for not blaming the goalie. Yeah, enjoy. Okay, Luke. Thank you for joining me. My pleasure. Uh, how how are you today? I'm great. Slightly overcast day here in beautiful Hamilton, Ontario, but yeah. um, good day to play guitar. Yeah. D- uh, you guys, did you have multiple shows this weekend? I saw you played uh, a, a festival type of thing. Yeah. So we played that uh, a couple weekends ago, but we just got the video up. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, we just played once in Newfoundland, which is um, basically the, uh, I think it's basically the most eastern extremity of Canadian territory. We've never been out there before, mm-hmm. and it was awesome. I mean, I've heard a lot of stories of it being a lot of fun, and uh, it lived up to everything. We had some wicked fish and chips. We gazed down into the Atlantic Ocean. Oh, okay. Um, it was great. It was awesome. Yeah. You guys play with Alexis on fire, so. That's pretty sick. Good, good day anytime you get to play with Alexis. <laughs> is that the, uh, I guess the, is, is that one place in Canada where y'all hadn't played that you really wanted to? Are there other places like that? For sure. I really want to go to um, do the Dawson City Music Festival. Uh, in, uh, and then uh, that's, that's like way northwest. And I would also love to do... Um, what else? Uh, 
Yeah, I mean, I'd love to just go like way up north to those kind of more remote places um, and play. But um, you got it's it's nice to have some things to do on your to do list. Um, we've seen a lot of uh, Canada, um, but uh, it's a big ass country, so there's still there's right. always more to see. Yeah, uh, have you guys done like cross Canada tours? Like, is that brutal? Yeah, I mean, it's it's when we were first getting into those cross Canada tours, people people warned us that like that that that's the band breaker tour. But um, and the reason why they say that is because it's just from if you're going from Ontario to um, basically trying to get to the prairies, it's a really it's just a lot of driving and especially in the winter. But yeah, we've done that stretch many times. Um, it's not as bad as everyone says. I mean, like it's uh, if you're only doing Canada, then I guess it's probably not as fun. If you're going like straight across Canada and then coming home, that's kind of pointless to me. Like we will always do like across to, you know, um, Alberta or Saskatchewan and then down into the States and play in Minneapolis and Wisconsin and then kind of drive along the bottom of the, or the top of the States and then back up to do calgary and then vancouver and then vancouver island and then go to seattle and portland so like we we kind of build it into a greater north american route but you know i think the bands that have the most negative uh feedback about the prairies and touring across canada are the ones that only do canada Uh um which is understandable because there's just not that many markets here at least major markets yeah yeah so um, I was listening. I listened to a couple of the uh, of your podcasts that you do. Um, I listened to the one with Lord Jane Grace, and the one with um, your drummer uh, Kyle Starchild. Um, and it, uh, you just talking about that. I wanted to ask this question has popped in my head. Like you've done a bunch of different uh, media type stuff or whatever. Are you? Do you journal? Have, have you thought about writing a book? I do journal. Yeah, I got, uh, I, I try and write something every day. Okay. And uh, doing that for about probably eight years now yeah. since we really started touring. I've been writing I have a whole shelf of journals and little, I also kind of put like little things from the, uh, from the trip or whatever. Like if I can find a tidy little physical artifact to store, like here's uh Here's a piece of uh, Kyle's bass drum skin that he smashed in New York last fall. So okay. that's in there. I saw. I kind of write the information on the back. I, I try and you know, if it's not intrusive and I can fit it in my book, I try and do that or Polaroids or whatever, just to kind of flesh things out. I really like writing um, in uh, in a journal. I think yeah. it's. Uh, I think it's just like a. It's something. A, it's something to do when you're sitting in the motel continental breakfast and you don't feel like rolling the dice with some boiled eggs eggs, yeah yeah you're you're all jacked up on you know instant black coffee and there's nothing to do because nobody else has woken up yet that's all just right but um yeah i mean i think it's a very privileged incredible way to live life that i get to do so i'd be a way not to record it yeah or document document it it's also very monotonous in parts and stuff, you know, like eight hours, eight hours a day in the van sometimes or six hours or 10 hours. 
Um, but uh, that's the time also that I take to write. Um, but um, yeah, my fucking my journals are a hilarious mismatch, mishmash okay. of like songs and and like you know um, uh, record like basically documenting the day. I think the first one that I have. I mean, I have, I kind of would do it sporadically, but the first one where I really started documenting every day yeah. was when we did the Warp Tour in 2015. Okay. Um, I have some other ones that are like 2010 and 2011 and 2012 and 13 and 14, like just little bits and pieces here. But 2015 is when I really started writing everything down and um, and putting as I said, physical artifacts in the book. And it's, it's funny when I open up the pages and I want to think about the warp tour. I, I have my memories version of the warp tour. Right. And I'll open that thing up and it's like, yeah, it fleshes it out a little bit, challenges some of the notions that I have in terms of my, 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 my memory bank of what the warp tour was. So do you, do you have a instance of where the journals challenged your warp tour? I would say that like certain tours that like not not the warp tour, but like yeah. certain tours that I remember like all oh, that tour sucked and I I was having a bad time on that tour. Wow. I'll, I'll crack it open and there there's always some some funny stuff that my mind conveniently whitewashed over with the most dominant emotion that I felt on that tour. <laughs> right. But there's always good stuff and you know, there's other other tours that appear more glorious in my mind of of uh of like, oh, that was a real good one. And we were, you know, everything was good then. And then I'll, I'll open it up and I'm like, damn, I forgot about that day. That day sucked. Um, so, yeah, it, it definitely helps to um, to um, animate the uh, animate my memory a bit more. And, um, you know, memory is a co- is a complicated and very inaccurate thing. Memory is, is just a bizarre thing. when You really, really think about it. Yeah completely inaccurate yeah and uh i'm not i think that at least i can kind of triangulate like i can't exactly find the emotions or the feelings that i was feeling at the time but this helps triangulate it a little bit more and and uh catalog the uh wild time i've had on the road yeah so do do you go back and like try and edit or make like a a condensed version of your journals? No, I'm, I'm just I, like, I'm pretty lazy. So I just kind of like, I, I'm <laughs> I feel that. Um, I think I have like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I have like 15 books at this point, 15 yeah. journal stuff. Is the, so, is the notes app on your phone pretty, pretty wild too? No, I don't really use that. I I kind of, I I try and commit everything physically here. I mean, my voice memo app is ridiculous, Uh, ridiculously full of like, you know, all demo songs or like be walking around like muttering lyrics that just came to me to try in a song. So it's, uh, it, uh, my, my voice, my voice memos read like a, like a, uh, like the diary of a madman, <laughs> just scrawling. Yeah, yeah, ah, I love it. Uh, yeah, are, are you a lot bit- of air? There's a lot of <laughs> with me trying to talk lyrics into it. So, anyway, sorry. What were you? What were you saying? Are you a um, are you a big uh like book reader? 
Um, I am, but I'm pretty much like exclusively military history book okay. reader. What's uh, I I recently read? Um, you, do you know with the old breed? Yeah, I have that book right there. Yeah, yeah. that's a good yeah, one. E.B. Sledge. It's a good one. Yeah, man, it's a good one. Uh, wow. What are you reading? Anything right now? Um, I'm reading a book right now by this uh, lawyer named Gerald Posner, who um, is, uh, it's called Case Closed. It's about the JFK assassination. And it's about uh, how all the conspiracy theories are bullshit. And yeah. that nobody, nobody pays attention to the actual character of Oswald, that everyone is, everyone's always like looking at taking these, you know, events and saying, oh, this is this is evidence of a greater, wider, crazier conspiracy. Yeah. Um, and he basically argues that these are just these things are down to human error. Um and that Oswald had already tried to assassinate a, a general yeah. in Texas at one point and he uh he was a violent and crazy guy and yeah, that it was totally possible that he did this and probably is the simplest explanation that nobody wants to believe that, you know, a loser could basically alter history that yeah. much. I mean, Vrilo Princep did it in 1914 as well with the assassination of Franz Ferdinand. So, yeah, yeah. wow. But again, anyways, that that's my kooky area of reading. <laughs> I like it. No, I'm a I'm a I'm a history history war guy. So I get it. I enjoy it. It's a. Uh... I'm a big like turn of the century. Uh, I used to be like when I first got into history, I was, I was completely obsessed with the second world war. Oh yeah. But now I've kind of, and I still obviously have like, I, I'm, I've been reading a lot about the Pacific campaign a lot. Cause it's just an area that we don't really talk about much in here in Canada. Yeah. But um, I'm really, I think my, my, my main area of interest is the, um, is the, um, the turn of the century of just kind of, and, and world war one, I, I think is the, um, the uh the main area of my um interest and also like the first i'd say 10 years of the or the first 20 years of the nuclear era and also because the ramifications are still quite relevant now but um yeah i don't know i find that stuff completely utterly fascinating yeah well it's like uh you, you know growing up uh I was always taught or it always seemed like if you're just cool to people, then everybody's cool. Everybody's going to be chill, but everybody's not chill. Come, come to find out. Yeah. I also find, you know, that the, you know, reading about what has happened in the past gives a lot of context for modern life and how prosperous on the whole and, and lucky we are and it's oh, for sure some, somewhat of an antidote to my own personal like oh things are so hard this thing's like right. um, this annoying today and then i'll you know i'll read about um uh the battle of Cany, like with hannibal versus the romans and i'm like <laughs> well i'm really glad i wasn't there um and um it really adds a little bit of a spring to my step for for a little while so not to say that I'm kind of like, um, not to, not to say that I find uh, joy in the suffering of the past, but I right. certainly find context for my own life, which does 
through a roundabout way, give me an appreciation for my amazing circumstances. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's a, it's, I think it's easy for, for, um, or I don't know, I guess everybody's not into like history. So it's, uh, it's easy for people to kind of like think of, Oh, there's just like, you know, the good side and the bad side, even if it's talking about like the U S government or whatever, where it's like, this side was the good side and this side was the bad side. When it's like, that's kind of true, but there's like so many shades of gray of people trying to like, I don't know, trying to, uh, I, I couldn't agree more trying you know, to uh, be political and politicize whatever they're trying to do. Um, yeah. Have, uh, have y'all played in new Orleans? Many times, yeah. but not enough. I mean, we, our last gig there, we unfortunately had to cancel and then the makeup gig we had to cancel as well. So this is 2018 and 2019, respectively. But some bullshit. Um, yeah, love New Orleans. Got a lot of good friends there. Uh, you know, pears. Yeah, yeah. We we're, uh, we we go way back with those guys, and That's you cool. know the band High. Uh, yes, yeah, yeah. Craig and um, who else is the band? Um, but anyways, those those guys are really are. Craig's a really good friend of mine, and um, yeah, we love New Orleans. New Orleans is a cool place. I was going to ask if you had been to the, the World War II museum there. Hell yeah, I have. Man, man, that's wild. Yeah, that's a good museum. Yeah. Uh, my dream one day is to go to the, um, I really want to go to, uh, I've never been to Italy before, but I really want to go to see a bunch of the, you know, the, the Roman stuff. I mean, that that's kind of... Uh, I think that like 20th century history is inherently fascinating because it, you, we can like, it's within living memory. A lot of it. I mean, you yeah. know, it's, even though that that's fleeting now, but um, it's uh, we can identify with those people, but I think that, um, you know, ancient history is like equally as fascinating, but it's a little harder to get that instant gravitation towards because it's like the, I, the, the people are so far gone and the places and the, the nation states and the ideas are so, are so ancient, right. That it's yeah. hard to get into, but I'm a huge hardcore history fan. You know, you know, like, Dan, do you like hardcore history? Uh, what Dan Harlan. Dan Harlan. Yeah. And so Dan, uh, you know, speaking of the warp tour, we're, we're on that tour and I was first just getting into podcasts and I would just listen to like comedians podcasts. Right. Listen to that stuff. And then I met this guy um, named Mike Kennedy who plays in the band The Wonder Years. Okay. We were, do- we were doing some push-ups in the parking lot. He's just like, have you ever listened to Hardcore History? I was like, no. And he's just like, dude, there's this one right now on Genghis Khan. You got to listen to it. So I was like, okay. And I listened to Hardcore History. And now I have listened to every single episode admit, like multiple times. Damn. Best. Uh, it's... Uh, look forward to hardcore history more than like almost more than new music coming out by bands that I love. It's, it's an obsession level. Um, it's borderline a problem. (laughs) Well, yeah. For people that don't know hardcore history, like it's this dude, Dan Harlan and every episode ranges in time from like, I don't know. What's the, what's the longest one you've listened to? Well, there's, I mean, I think some of them are like six hours. Yeah. Know? And there's multiple episodes for like, for, uh, you know, whatever topic. And they come out about once a year. 
Yeah. Like, or like, you know, maybe twice a year. They're really far and few between. So, you know, I've, I've, my favorite band growing up was The Who. We played with The Who. It was amazing to meet oh, Pete shit. Townsend at wow. Talk Street. But tweeting with Dan Carlin, <laughs> him tweeting back at me was the same rush <laughs> than meeting my fucking guitar hero, Pete Townsend. So that's, I think that says oh, everything. My level of obsession with uh, hardcore history. Damn, that that is hardcore. I guess I don't know if you're listening. You, you got you're in the van for hours. You got you got the you got the time. And it's an escape, right, from the monotony of like basically watching. You know, when you're when you're driving through, I shall not name them, but more featureless terrain, um, and you got you know many many hours to go. It's a way of really focusing your mind. I have a hard time reading in the van. I'd say, like it's. Uh, I like reading at home yeah. and I like like when I'm sitting down, but I, I kind of get a little queasy when I'm in the van. Yeah, reading, but jiggling I, around and there's sunlight yeah. like hitting weird. Yeah. Yeah. And then people are listening to music. And so like, you know, I, I, I have a hard time focusing on the book. So uh, audio books and podcasts are a great kind of uh, remedy for that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. History is cool. <laughs> well, yeah. to me it is yeah uh are you are you have you thought of doing a, a history concept album and you you can do like a your own hardcore history i try i you know i i, I uh i uh it's for some reason those two things are com- like rock and roll and history are like completely compartmentalized in my mind and it's funny because like i um I, um, I have, I think the reason why I got into history was because my love of rock and roll is such a myth mythology based love that like I, my documenting and appreciation of dates and times and events and things was really well cataloged in my mind and lent itself well to, um, you know, military history, basically like my knowledge of the chronology of, of the replacements or the Rolling Stones or the Beatles or Led Zeppelin or all that. So all those reading, all those rock bios really, as I said, gave my, my mind an appreciation of time. And that, uh, that, as I said, I think was a good stepping stone to getting into, you know, world history and political history. But um, yeah, as I said, they're a bit compartmentalized in my mind. Our songs are still about, uh, the traditional trials of human life. It's true. Yeah. Growing up, was your family always into music and in history? Like, is that how you got into it? Both. My of dad read a lot of history for sure. Like I remember seeing a lot of history. He, he was always reading history books and I would talk to him about that stuff. And he was really into hockey. He still is. And I never, like I was kind of into hockey, but, but history was a way to kind of like connect with him because I like that. I didn't, give a shit about you know i i I wasn't invested in the outcome of a a hockey season or a hockey game right but i could really light up my eyes talking about you know um whatever whatever book he was you know reading or whatever historical event so that was one thing but in terms of music my dad listened to a lot of really hacky and really awesome country music okay like uh like, I mean, uh, live at Folsom prison was one of the cassette tapes that was always on. And 
a lot of John Prime. I don't think he, I don't I, I don't think he's made much headway in the in the states. But Stompin' Tom Connors is kind of like <laughs> our Hank Williams. Oh, that's cool. Up here. Uh, some hacky songs, maybe maybe a like blend of John Prine and 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 Hank Williams, but some pretty hacky tunes, but some also some really good ones. Um, yeah, a lot of stuff like that, like Gordon Lightfoot, um, a lot of novelty country songs, a lot like you know Waylon Jennings, and um, that was kind of my dad's thing, and then my mom listened to like women in songs, like <laughs> I got you know, like that, like. Like Dido and what, whatever the hell, Sarah McLaughlin, whatever, whatever is on those compilations was always from the nineties, yeah. And, yeah. and so there was a constant yeah. clash yeah. between, uh, you know, as I said, uh, live at Folsom Prison with all the swearing and out of tune guitars, and uh, I will remember right. you. And I think that my musical mind is a melding of those two things. I'd say. Yeah, I. Uh getting ready for this podcast earlier i was just looking at y'all spotify and i saw you had some uh some playlists on there and there's one that was like the fuck art um uh, inspirations and it was a pretty eclectic mix of songs yeah i believe it yeah i can't quite remember what was on it but yeah it's uh whatever's in there was true yeah it's a uh, is so yeah i guess that that sort of stuff is always bouncing around your brain when you're writing songs. Just like, yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't really think about anything while I'm trying to do, trying to get some, some words and, and music out of myself, but I just kind of, um, I think the, the, the attitude of like, as I said, some of those hacky novelty country songs, like you're the reason our kids are ugly or yes. whatever, like that, like, humor like yeah. you know talking about dark shit but like having some having a grin with it always yeah. is like i think that's kind of that's part of my dna in mm-hmm. terms of writing i i really like having some some bratty humor to to uh, almost everything that we do some some things are just a, are, are a bit more sincere yeah but those are uh those are few and far between i'd say in our catalog of music yeah um in my my personal lyrical output but um i just like i i like i like humor i like gallows humor i like cheap humor you know i like i like i like it in music i think it's um it's uh it's something that gives some levity to heavier topics right so i think i don't consciously try and do that that's just the that's the stuff that comes out of me yeah it's interesting yeah that's uh it's that's interesting you put it like uh now that you bring up like outlaw uh, country type lyrics, I could I could see that it, your own your own special way of like yeah country. Lyrics. I think that's yeah. I mean that's that's the stuff that I've always kind of gravitated towards the most. Like I mean like the replacements are my probably all time favorite band, and I just always loved Paul's way with words and his voice and he's got a lot of he's got a lot of you know smirking in his in his lyrics and um you know the same thing with john prine you know john prine influenced a lot of the way that i um thought about music that was one of the more heavy rotation uh 
things at my house when I was a kid, um, Sweet Revenge in particular. And uh, I just really like that style of, of, of uh, lyrics. Um, I think it, uh, I think also like seeing my dad really like it. <laughs> yeah. Made me, made me like kind of, I made note of that in my mind. Yeah, for like, sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but like, you know, the melodies and stuff of like shares, do you believe in love? Like that stuff also ingrained itself. It uh, hits. Yeah. It hits, right? Like, you know, bangers are bangers. It doesn't right. really matter. Yeah. Um, I think like for a long time in my like late teens, early twenties, I tried to kind of repress that stuff and really tried try to move towards the most aggressive aggro, you know, part of my tendencies. But the more comfortable I became with, you know, what I actually like, the more unabashed I was and am with my, uh, with my own musical output. And, um, I think everybody goes through a period of time where they're trying to um, they do things in a way to try and make a small group of people that they know think that they're cool. Yeah. And at most people at a certain time say, who fucking cares what these people think? You know, yeah. Life's really short. I'm going to try and do what I want to do. And uh, I'm just glad that my my uh, realization uh, of that came earlier than than uh, than it could have, you know. Yeah, mm, interesting. Yeah, I guess it's. Uh, I guess this is growing up, man. You know. Yeah, as, exactly. As they say. As they say, as Blink One Eighty Two Blink says. says. Uh, man. Um, okay. Yeah. Uh, I did. You and uh, James Bowman from Against Me uh, mm-hmm. collabed on a a, a pedal. We did indeed. Uh, Threshold Maximizer. Indeed, yes. Pretty sick. Um, I am. I'm. I've been a bassist forever, and in the past year, I'm getting into playing guitar more, uh, more regularly. And um, I, I, I got the Threshold Maximizer. Oh, you did? Yeah. What do you think? It's pretty sweet. It's because I'm. You know, I'm. I'm not a huge like. I don't. I'm a gear guy. But I'm not like, oh, well, this, you know, this knob is, you know, this, whatever. Uh, but yeah, it's sick. It's a, it's a rat clone, pretty much. Can you, can you talk about that? Yes. Bit? So, so I, uh, sorry, my friends with, with, uh, with, um, uh, Mr. Bowman, Mr. James Bowman on when we opened for against me yeah. in 2017, we did a full us tour and he was, you know, fellow gear people gravitate towards each yeah. other, of course. But, um, he noticed that I was using rats. We kind of went on this long, we started this long conversation about like, okay, well, what's your favorite rat? And I have this one behind me that is, it's an, an, an 86 rat. It was my first one. It kicks ass. And so I sent it to him. He kind of took it apart and measured all the components. And then we said like, and I said, well, it's, it's just a bit too noisy though. Like how do we, how do we upgrade it? And so we went through a couple different prototypes of, okay, well, can we make the enclosure as bulletproof as possible? Can we upgrade the actual pot values so that we can have more options? Cause I like to basically use a rat as a preamp and just have it on all the time and then have a second one on top of that to boost it. And, um, he designed the, he, he kind of modified this existing circuit 
to be able to accommodate that function of having it on all the time, having the lowest possible noise and to have it as be as bulletproof as possible. Yeah. So I'm really proud of what uh, James designed with, uh, with my feedback. That's cool. So literally and figuratively. (laughs) So are you going to, so I, yeah, I watched like, there's some rig rundown video of yours out there. um, And I saw you had the two rats in line. Uh, Are you going to use two threshold maximizers now? Yes. Yes. Yeah. That was, uh, that was prior to our collaboration. Yeah. uh, yeah, no, I'm uh, I'm really proud of what uh, James what what we did. It, um, I mean, I think he made a couple hundred of them, and they sold out like boom really yeah. fast. So I think we'll do more. But um, yeah, I mean, I'm 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 a gear guy too, and like, you know, what I always have to stop myself from doing is like going on really long like gear scrolling of like, ooh, this is a cool pedal, like, and yeah. and. and and what I have to do is just like turn around and be like, I have so much fucking gear. Like, like just play the shit I have and like try and get actually better at this damn instrument. Right. Um, but yeah, I fucking love gear for but sure. Have you ever thought about just indulging yourself and having like the edge type of uh, pedal board that is humongous and, you know, no, I haven't because I'm i I'm a very like, I'm a very simple guitar player in terms of my setup. And uh, in the past, when I was like a teenager and I had a slightly more elaborate board, my shit never really worked and it would always like die during a show. And so like my mind is just like completely oriented towards utility rather than, you know, um, momentary function. Like I don't, uh, I don't really fuck with delays or tremolos or modulation or anything like that. Like sometimes in the studio, we'll be like, Oh, let's add a little color to this part. Like, do you guys have anything at this studio that we could try? And if they don't, it's like, who cares? We'll just plug the guitar and make it really loud. Do, do what I usually do. But um, my, my basic thing is that like, I don't like, I like having to be able to only hit one pedal. Right. Yeah. During the show. And so I'm, I'm actually having my board rebuilt right now. And the gentleman who's helping me was asking me, he's like, do you want to add some more like mods? I was just like, no, he's just like, even for just a, and I'm like, no, I don't like, I just don't need it. Don't want it. Like even like a reverb, like it's like, I, it's just, just another thing to go wrong. It's another thing that I had to carry through the airport with my uh, pedal board. Like let's just keep it as lean and mean as possible. I will say the only thing I added was uh was a um a noise suppressor which works really well yeah. which i'm happy just allows me to kind of turn things up even louder without uh um without it going crazy on me and when you're using two rats things can get a little crazy but um you know sometimes that's what i want sometimes i want uh, a white noise screeching sound but yeah uh uh, sometimes you also want it when you're playing a little quieter and dynamics are really important to, um, to be able to, uh, have, you know, pin drop silence. So, um, yeah, that's, that's kind of the only thing I've really indulged myself in. And I probably wouldn't have even done it if, if we weren't at home. Um, and I, I got, I got bored and I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll check out a, uh, 
a noise suppressor, but um, I found a really good one. They make really, really solid ones now. I mean, the other ones that I tried before, like it, they're trying to guess what is your guitar signal and what is extraneous noise. And sometimes they don't work that well, Yeah, but with new ones, they have like an input from your guitar so it can tell what your guitar is doing and what not to clamp down on. So I was like, yo, that's great. So as I said, I only got it so that I could play my amp even louder. <laughs> you've got, yeah, you've got a pretty um, sweet, uh, I've never seen a is eight by 10. Yeah. Uh, Marshall cab, guitar cab. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From 1973. It's pretty sick. I love it. It's pretty harsh sounding, but that's what I love about it. Like yeah. I used to use like a, 412 cab i loved it sounds great but um i think that um the tone of the 8x10 is really fucking sick especially if you're using a a gibson it just kind of really brings out the top end in it and um it's also got a good amount of like a really really good mid mid sound and because it's an enclosed cab it's got a nice tight bass uh response but um I think it just, it has a real grind to it that I, I really like. It's great for recording too. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It definitely looks and sounds cool. <laughs> yeah. I'm a big fan. I haven't really, other than adding this noise suppressor, I haven't changed my rig in like substantially in like 10 years now. Yeah. Say. Well, you know what you like. It's, yeah. It's working, you know? Well, you, if, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. That's right. Yeah. You know, if, uh, it'd be if you just pulled out like a 12 string guitar or I don't know put it'd be weird mm-hmm. like that's kind of my attitude towards effects too is like it's fun like you, you can do some cool stuff in the studio but like is it really gonna make the difference live that it's like that makes the headaches that it's gonna cause worth it yeah um and for me the answer is no but uh Cause I gotta, my job when I'm on stage first and foremost is to be the front man and interface with the crowd and right. make sure the energy level, do everything in my power to try and make sure everyone in that room has a good time, including yep. us. And, uh, the more focus that I have to dedicate towards trying to hit a quarter inch button, right. You know, more kind of takes away from that. So I, I, I don't really have to think about playing guitar when we're playing live. And, uh, my, I'm really just thinking about, having a good time up there yeah mm. it's interesting yeah um are you a fan of chicks dig it at all you know i i must say that i have heard the name and many people have told me to check it out but i i have to admit that i've yet to do so that's good uh well just watching like i've seen them live a couple of times and just watching live videos of of y'all there's a i, I think there's a comparison to be made between you and um the singer kj of chicks dig it very like, because uh, uh, I don't know, you know, you're human, but I've never seen a video of you like, oh, this crowd sucks or whatever, you know. And it's the same with him, where it's like, you know, I've never seen him be like shitty to a crowd when, I, you know, I'm sure you've seen bands be shitty to a crowd. Uh, For sure. Yeah. It's it's funny because I love watching those kinds of train wrecks. Well, yeah, of course. <laughs> I've never wanted to be a part of one. I mean, there's uh, I don't know if you there's a uh, there's a German word called Schadenfreude. Oh yeah, 
yeah, uh, pleasure in the misfortune of others. Yeah. And I, I definitely have schadenfreude when I see a, it's like watching a comedian bomb or right. something. <laughs> you know, I, I really do think that like it's like my dad would say about hockey. It's it's not the it's it's never the goalie's fault. Yeah, <laughs> I would say I would say that the same about the crowd. Like the, the it, your job when you get up there is to entertain and you've got to try and cultivate a large tool belt of, uh, of, of techniques to, to entertain. And even when the crowd's being stiff or whatever, just go harder and try more things. You yeah. Know? But, um, unless people are like hurting each other or anything, if they're just right. kind of yeah. whatever, then, um, oh, then shit. you got to just work harder at your job. That's how I see it. I, yeah. I could be a flawed way of looking at it. Maybe some crowds inherently suck. I don't know. But, um, <laughs> When we when we have a cr- a crowd that's low energy, like I, we just have a chat about okay, well, let's try this one so- something different next yeah. time. Yeah. yeah. The um, are, are are you a fan of Norm Macdonald? Oh yeah. Yeah. I just uh, I just read his uh, his autobiography uh, recently, uh, and uh, it got me to watching all these videos. And I saw one comedian talking about him after he had passed away, and he was saying how like if he killed a show, he didn't want to like meet the crowd afterwards, but if he bombed, he wanted to like stand out by the door and like shake people's hands to like, look at them again and make them like uncomfortable again as much as possible. Yeah. Yeah. To double down. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, That's funny as hell. Yeah. It's great. Mm. RIP Norm. I know. Shout out. Yeah. His, uh, if, if, uh, if people are into him, definitely check out his book. It's, it's it's silly. It's wild. Uh, What's it called? It's called Based on a True Story. Okay. But as soon as you start reading it, you, you figure out it's it's not a true story. But uh, okay, it's pretty great. Uh, that's not a spoiler or anything. Mm. But yeah. Okay, man. Well, uh, yeah, we've we've gone for a little while here. Um. Hell yeah. I've enjoyed speaking with you, Luke. Uh, yeah. Do you have any closing remarks or anything? Um, I would just say thank you very much for for the chat, and yeah. you know, um, we're uh, as I said, I feel incredibly privileged to get to do this this job, and so you know, if there's anybody out there that's a fan, thank you for uh, for for supporting us. And uh, if you're not a fan, uh, you know, check it out, see if you like it. If you don't, that's cool. It just just know that you're wrong. <laughs> there you uh, go. But uh, yeah, I I would just say that uh, it's a wonderful world. Hail hail rock and roll. That's right. All right. Well, Luke, stay on for a minute. Um, you had options, but you decided to talk to me. I appreciate it. My pleasure.